Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Jason Shadrick with Premier Guitar, and we're back again with our final episode for the week of Chasing Frets. And uh, once again, I'm joined by Andy Ellis. Hey, everyone. And Andy, we're talking this week uh, with Nier, Nier Felder, about how kind of his approach to practicing has developed and, and changed and evolved over the time. How is that kind of, was that similar to what maybe you did over all these years you're playing guitar? Well, I came away with some things that I had not considered listening to Nier yeah. explain how he approaches his practice time, or we could substitute the word for play time. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes into depth on this, but I think it's very important for us to understand that practice means something for people, and playing means something else for other people. And I think Nier's special perspective is how we integrate those two things. Yeah, exactly. And and you even drop a, a, a nugget that you got from uh, Billy Cobham in yep. here. So yep. we can check that out. So make sure to check out Nier's new record. comes out July 10th. It's called Two. Uh, it's his first record since 2014 when it had Golden Age, uh, which is another great record I'd encourage you to check out. So uh, check out this episode with Nier, and we'll be back next week. Talk to you later. All right. All right, we're back once again with Andy Ellis and Nier Felder to wrap up this this uh, week of Nier, and he's been dishing out uh, a whole bunch of good nuggets of wisdom. So uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about really kind of focusing your practicing and some tips and tricks that Nier can offer to help make your practicing more efficient. So Nier, I remember reading Billy Cobham, the great drummer, say one time, somebody asked him, well, how much do you practice? Because Billy Cobham, I mean, his, his chops, you got to remember, you know, when he stepped out and played, it was face melting, you know, how do you practice? How do you? And he said, I never practice. Whoa. What do you mean? I always play. I never practice. He says, when I pick up the sticks, I'm playing. I take what I practice to the gig so I don't want to have exercises that I take to the gig. And you touched on that earlier in one of our previous episodes this week. Could you explain a little bit more about how you approach 
your time on the guitar as a player as opposed to exercises. Yeah, I agree with, with that sentiment 100%. I, I don't think that it was like ever by design. I think I just fell into it. I was a, what you might call a bad practicer in that like I didn't have the discipline <laughs> and still don't to, to really do exercises. But I love music and I love playing. So I pick up my guitar and I try to make music. Sometimes I give myself some guidelines so that I can make sure that I'm also challenging myself. And I think that that's mm. been my my like dividing line between a gig and a practice session is sometimes when I'm practicing, I'll give myself these little little just little incentives, little pushes to like make sure that I'm improvising but challenging myself. I'm just playing, but there might be a rule or there might be a little thing that I have to do. Can you give an example of uh... absolutely so like I'll try to keep. Say I'm just jamming on one chord, A minor, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what I might do is something really simple. Like, I'm going to explore range, right? So I might say, I have to start high and go low. Super simple, right? So the line started high and it went low. that and I could play 10 of those lines then the reverse start low and go high right I might do that over a jazz standard you know um. So I started low, I went high. That was my exercise. And I might try to do that through a whole, let's say a blues maybe. Kind of just like exploring range is my guiding principle there. Maybe I start high and I go low. Maybe I start uh, low and I go high. Um, that's just one example. It could be dynamics. It could be that. Um, let's go back to that A minor. So I started soft and I got louder. So my exercises, if you want to call them that, are just basically based around like playing a little bit with the variables of music on a set piece or on one chord or on one of my compositions and just learning how to focus on those rather than focus on the notes. Because we spent so much time working on the notes, if we just 
think about another aspect of music, focus on that, we really have a lot of new vocabulary to, to mm-hmm. learn in those aspects, What's How right? would you approach practicing uh, rhythm and time feel? That's a good one. Like, it, it's changed as I've gotten older and more experienced, I think. It used to be that I would do it very deliberately, right? I would put on a metronome, and I would just play an open string in eighth notes till I felt like it was really in the pocket that I liked. You know, there's no right answer for the, these things. But like we talked about um, the other week or the other day, it's like maybe let, let's pretend we're drummers, right? Let's say like a good drummer has 100 ways to play eighth notes, whereas a beginner might have one or two or three. But as we get more experience, we can kind of lay back a little bit, lay back a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, or go ahead of the beat a little more, or like just shift things subtly so that they fit, right? And some of us, you know, we don't necessarily have to do that intellectually. We kind of do it instinctively. You play with a different group of musicians, your feel kind of changes. You know, it might be such this like tiny shift, like one one thousandth of a, I don't know what you want to say, <laughs> what's the measurement? One one thousandth yeah, of yeah. a beat forward or back, right? So just so it sits, you know, and we kind of do that naturally. Sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it, but it takes a certain sensitivity. So um, I used to do it with a metronome and pretend the metronome was my band and just, you know, work on it till it felt good to me. Now I still do metronome stuff, but a lot of the times I don't. I just kind of try and tap my feet and listen to my feet and, like, make sure that they're groovy. And, you know, if I'm playing, like, a, a jazz tune... I don't know if you guys can hear that from the mic, but I'm just tapping my foot in two and four. talking about tapping your foot it's so interesting to me because uh, i see musicians and the two examples that i can point to definitively is one's adam rogers who it seems like he can Mm -hmm. hang at any tempo and be right in the pocket and he's like at times just like a statue the 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 rhythm just comes and the feel just bursts out of him and the other one is Pat Metheny, because years ago, when I was working at the National Guitar Workshop, which you are alumni of, of course, uh, we brought Pat in for right. a clinic. And it was like a two-hour clinic, and he answered everybody's questions. was super cool, and he didn't play a single note. This whole He had a guitar in his hands. He wasn't playing a single note. At the very end, he plugs in his iPhone to the PA, turns on a click, and plays Autumn Leaves for seven minutes. And it was... The click was like the most swinging click I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life, and he was wasn't tapping his foot. It was it was inside of him, you know what I mean. And and that to me is like that's the goal that I'm pointing to. I need to I want to feel that rhythm inside of me so I can push it out. You know, 
Absolutely. Um, I think I'm trying to do that, and I think that it, tapping my foot, um, like w- when I did that example, I'm tr- kind of trying to throw myself off a little bit, trying to throw my, my foot off by playing certain rhythms. But the goal is to just have the time yeah. be so internal that you can't. You know, it's coming out of your hands and your feet at the same time. It's just coming out of your body. So it's just kind of a focus on your body. Now, uh, a lot of people tap their foot, but they're not actually tapping their foot in time. They're just like kind of moving their body like it's almost like a jerky reflexive thing. That's not the idea. So I, I don't know if you guys could hear my foot tap, but I can hear it. And I'm trying to just groove with myself, if that makes any sense. And it, it's helpful for me. It, it's, you know, all these things, right? Like, I think as musicians, we have to acknowledge that there's no one path, right? Like, whatever worked for Jason or worked for Andy or worked for me isn't necessarily going to work for you, and that's okay. Um, it's great to have things like these podcasts where people can give you suggestions like, hey, this really worked for me, check it out. And then you check it out and then be honest with yourself if it works or if it doesn't. For me, these foot tapping things, just playing a song and tapping my foot and trying to make my foot be groovy helped me develop my feel. But it might not be the same for everybody. Some people might need real metronome stuff. Other people, the metronome might kind of make things worse. I don't know. It's like there's no answer. There's things that generally work for most people but you might be the outlier. It might not work for you, and that's totally cool. And I think one point you brought up earlier was that, you know, you said earlier you had kind of a, a more uh, dogmatic approach to uh, practicing with a metronome, but as you've developed, these things these things change, and that's, that's kind of the goal. It's that something you did 10 years ago that really helped you, you know, it, it probably won't help you as much now. And it's important to keep that open mind when it comes to your practicing routine if you want to call it that that it's always evolving it's always changing i think that's that improvisers mentality that we talked about um before it's like it's a new day it's a new year it's a new month it's a new city it's a new whatever the thing that worked last night is not going to work you really have to be in the moment in the zone and see what works for you right now and usually trust your gut with it so for me like going to this foot tapping thing from the metronome thing. I'll probably go back to the metronome thing, but this just feels right right now, and I think it's helping me right now. And, you know, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> How much time do you spend with a guitar in your hands? I don't know. I, You know, it, it changes day to day. With I, I like playing guitar, so I do it. I do it as much as... <laughs> possible but some days not much is possible just based on you know real life um there were there were times when the whole day was possible um now that's pretty rare but um it's okay because like you know you grow as a person you grow as a musician so as long as you're kind of tuned in you know good things should keep happening even if you're not with your guitar one thing i will say though is i i have played this specific guitar that you're seeing in in the in the video here for um, over 20 years. Wow. This is the really my first guitar. It's a it's a Mexican Strat that I got at Sam Ash in 1996. Um, it was like the the Tex-Mex model before it became the Jimmy Vaughn model. So it's not an expensive guitar, but it um, it's been played a lot. So basically, all the hours of my life that I've played guitar have been more or less. You, you see behind me, I have plenty of guitars, but. Um, this guitar has been played so much. So there's something to that. Like the more time you spend 
with an instrument, maybe the better the instrument becomes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like you get better as a player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I was 96. I was right there with you. I got I got uh, the maple, I think, of the rosewood neck model, but sunburst and, and everything. Right, I have the exact same And guitar. you still have it. I still, yeah, I still. That's one of my main guitars that I use all the time. That's the guitar cool. I learned how to play on. Yeah. I, mean, I wish. I'm still learning how to play on this. I wish <laughs> I had one of my early guitars. I mean, I've been playing now 56, 57 years, and unfortunately, sometimes the guitar's get away from you and uh uh kudos to both of you for having kept it you know (laughs) it didn't squirm away and uh you know you should you should retain that mindset you know this is a this is a friend this is a partner a companion Mm -hmm. you know in your life don't let it get away oh yeah absolutely so I want to wrap up near with one last question it has to do with so you have this new record out uh coming out July 10th it's called two and it's been a while since you had a record out under your own name. How does your practicing routine or the fo- or what you focus on change as you're going into recording a record? You have some you have some recording dates on. They're your tunes. Um, what are specific things you do leading up to that recording session to make sure you're prepared for that? I think I just re- approach it the same as I would approach someone else's recording session. You know. Um, I want to, like you said, go and prepared. So I want to know the music. Ideally, I have it memorized. Um, I want to be able to use my ears and not be looking at a sheet of paper, you know. Um, so just the internalization of the music, the, the the fact of like, you know, really feeling it and having it come from from your heart, so that like your emotions can come through. I think that like, no matter the genre, again, like that's the place you want to be in before you record um, music. The only caveat there is if, if you know something really, really well, it, it can lose a little bit of freshness, right? So it's kind of finding the happy medium between like knowing it too well, that like nothing new can happen magically in the studio, and then not knowing it well enough, like, like you mentioned. So um, with other people's recordings, sometimes you know that happy medium is not possible. You could get called for something the night before, and you have to be able to you know, thrive in, in that situation as well. But with your own music, you have the choice of when to record. So it's just finding that that happy zone between like, you know, I know this so well that, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging to create something new out of it and then not knowing well enough where you're not ready. Mm-hmm. Right on. All right. Well, thanks again, Nir, for joining us this week. Uh, I'm Jason Shadrick uh, for Andy Ellis and Nir Felder. We'll talk to you guys next week.